Blog Talk Radio. about the last 20% and uh, 
Ashley Hobson, myself, and Pat Etcheberry will be traveling around doing some last 20% seminars, and I'm really looking forward to it. There's two people I don't know if I, there's anybody I respect more, of course, in tennis than Pat Etcheberry and what he's done, just a great and humble man, and he's been in the grassroots of things for so many years, and he's uh, brought, I hate that word, physicality, but He's brought the fitness element and uh, all of the training to the forefront, and he's really made tennis and everyone in the world of tennis understand that this is not a game. It's a sport. It's a rigorous uh, rigorous and tough sport, and uh, there's none better. And uh, we're going to be doing last, our last 20% seminars, and my, my talks for over 10 years now around the world have been the last 20% and exactly what those, that last 20% is what we're going to be talking about. And uh, just so tune in John Denise's program tomorrow afternoon at, and that'll be March 8th actually at five in the afternoon on the yellow ball network. So with, with today's program, I wanted to um, send the topic, you know, you're always trying to look for a catchphrase or something for the title of your show, and mine's pretty generic. I just could not get a be a great catchphrase today, folks. Um, I put our primary needs to advance our game, our sport. I should have put instead of our game. Everybody talks about the game of tennis. I um, it's very important for me to call it a sport. I. Uh, <laughs> Oh, two summers ago, I was at Kalamazoo recruiting, and one of the Ivy League coaches came up to me and said, Creasy, why are you getting so bent out of shape what we're doing with these changes in tennis? It's just a game. It's really not that. And I said, whoa, whoa, stop right there. It's, it's more than that to me. It's a sport. It's a rigorous sport. It is the hardest of all sport. It is the best of all sport, and it's a sport that I'll defend uh, it adds a sport for as long as I live because of uh, not just what it's meant to me, but I've seen lives change. I've seen people uh, get to travel the world because of it that would have never gotten to do it before. I've seen great relationships built because of it. It, it is absolutely the best of sports, the best of games, and people would argue maybe golf is similar to that. But the point is with golf is that uh, – Dang, you know, the competitive element, the one-on-one competition, I guess you could argue, and other things. But I think tennis is actually much harder than golf, folks. And I don't want to go this this way too much, but I wanted to just say I can go out and never have played the game of golf. I can take my children out there, and I can give them a little club, and they can knock the ball around and score 180 or 150 or 130 and um, I was able to shoot 100 in golf, probably in my first 10 tries out playing. Um, and anybody can play golf. Um, not, not very well. It, to be good, it is extremely hard. I, I got the statistics in my head. They said out of uh, all the golfers ever played, only 30% break 100. Only 3% shoot bogey golf. That That, that would be like an 85 or to a 90, I guess at 80, what is bogey golf? 90, only only 3%. They said only 0.3% ever break 80. 0.3, that's three of a thousand. 
break 80 to play golf. And so the point is anybody can play it, but it is just a tough, tough sport to be good at, but it's extremely easy to pick up. And, uh, you know, so they say they're having their troubles too with trying to build the game or present it in a way that people's more family-friendly. But folks, golf has uh, so many things over tennis, including the history and the heritage, their golf school that you have to go to, the the Q school that everybody has to go to before they become pros. And they grew their game uh, professionally much better and a lot sooner than we did. So uh, I wanted to make sure that you know that I do call tennis a sport. I apologize for the title, my generic title of our primary needs to advance our game. It should be our primary needs to advance our sport. And um, there's quite a difference between needs, wants, and wishes. We all know this. Um, Actually... (laughs) When I took the job I'm presently in, the AD was asking me when he interviewed me, what are your needs? I said, well, there's different needs, wants, and wishes. And I only need to have one need, and that was to have as many players on the team as I could and make the uh, my training a training ground that I would be supervisor over. I didn't want too many people looking over my shoulder and uh, – with the work that we do, and if you were a chef in a kitchen, not just a cook, a cook sort of, there's a big difference between a cook and a chef, right? There's a big difference between playing in the band and playing in the orchestra, right? There's a big difference between someone who plays tennis and someone who is a tennis player. There's a big difference between someone who goes to school every day and attends school versus someone who is a student, there's a big difference between somebody plays a musical instrument and someone who's a musician. So we all want to be the latter of the things that I have expressed there. Uh, I want to be a chef in my own kitchen and, yeah, always operating with the ingredients that are given me by the rules, of course. 100%, if you don't operate within the rules, Nothing to hang your hat on at the end of the day. You can say we won five championships, 10 or 30 championships. If you cheat, it's never sweet. It, it is a bunch of scum and slime afterwards. <clears throat> and I always tell my players, I coach, that if once the person cheats, they're done because they've put their sword down and thrown sand in your eyes or they're trying to do a shortcut, they're done. But you've got to be very, very tough for about 15 more minutes after a person <clears throat> cheats or tries to take the shortcut. But, boy, oh, boy, I tell you, it seems like cheaters do get away with a lot in our our um, society right now. So what are the different needs, wants, and wishes? <clears throat> we all have wishes and wants, but those needs that we have, and I've, I've labeled them today, and I'm going to talk about them in a few minutes. I hope I have a couple people call in and can add some of them. But right now, this is what I'm going after, and I want to talk about our needs for our game. And if you can just stay tuned, we will be right back. This is Coach Chuck Reese of American Tennis.
This is Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years' experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and yes, go to ChuckCreasy.net for my books, my writings, our camps, and folks, Momentum Control. I am the world's expert on momentum control, and everyone knows what momentum is. No one knows how to control it. I can give you eight simple formulas, and I can teach them to you in a little bit of time. If you go to ChuckCreasy.net, I can tell you how to hook up, and we will teach you momentum control for your businesses, for your tennis game, or your coaching career. ChuckCreasy.net. Freedoms 
take away they take away the freedoms of how we train, how we play, how we compete, and, and they impose their methodology to the place where it becomes a mandate. We no longer have the basic and most important fundamental of Americans, the freedom to exercise that. You are 100% of the youngsters that I work with, I tell them from the start, you never have to be, I will never demand it even of the best player to be, you never have to be number one or the best in this sport of tennis. But you must try to be your best. Every recruit I have, I demand you being your best. And that's the puzzle that you work through is trying to aid players to be their best, not the best that USTA wants you to do, not a poster child for their promotions, not to help their marketeers, but to be your best. Where would innovation be? Where would innovation be if we did not allow people the freedoms to play the way they wanted to? I mean, I I think of the way that Bjorn Borg changed the game. I, I think of the way that Stan Smith, everyone copied him for a while as a big serve I think of the way that Federer plays and all the kids out there that are trying to develop their one-handed backhands now. Uh, for and, and I'm I'm trying I'm thinking of all of the Rafael Nadal that people want to imitate. And look, 100% of the time, I have told players that yes, I will overtrain your legs and. I, uh, your footwork and your movement, that's the only thing where I'm very, very sticky about not giving you freedom. But you must because the game is so fast. Let me explain that. The game is so fast now, movement to the ball and recovery sports steps and being in shape and being fit is, is mandatory. But freedom has to be in the way that they play, the way that they approach the game. And if you put a mask on every one of them or a bag over every one of my Every player that I've had over the years, their heads, I can tell exactly who they are by their strokes and the way they play. Every player in the world has a different style. But we need the freedom for youngsters to be able to learn those things and look. We'll take teaching tools every day of the week. We'll use teaching tools to get our games better. We'll listen to everything, the USTA, ITF, ITA, and all of these folks, these bureaucracies, uh, listen to all their ideas, but the minute they start mandating things, that's when I jumped on board in opposition, because folks, this is the United States of America, so the most important, the most important thing is freedom. The second most important thing, we get a few people calling in, hang, I'd love to get you on the line here in a few minutes, but let me go through my list here. The most important thing after freedom, I think, is that we need to make sure that our game has a tie to the history and the heritage of the sport. And I said game again. Well, yeah, we call it a game of tennis. It's the sport of tennis. Um, but we need our youngsters to be growing up, and we need all of us to be having to have a tie with the history and the heritage of the game. Do you know, even at the collegiate level, I will ask my players – uh, things like Stefan Edberg said this, or Mats Wielander said this, or Bob Lutz said this, or Dennis Ralston, or these, these great Margaret Court, or these great, great players of the past, and they have no idea who those players are. And, and it's very, very disappointing and sad 
with all of the information technology and technology we have out there that we do not have a great grasp. No one does in the heritage of the sport of tennis. Yeah, I know they've got an International Hall of Fame. We need an American Tennis Hall of Fame, first of all. <clears throat> I think that is a that is a must. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Brian Parrott, who's living up in Iowa, folks, look him up, Brian Parrott. He's been trying for years to start a, a United States of America, American Tennis Hall of Fame. <clears throat> I believe that we, he's been... Uh, Shortcutted, shortchanged, or whatever. The ITF seems to have a globalist view, and the USTA is buying into this globalist view instead of looking at tennis really as the sovereign sport for of our country. I, I think that's been part of the problem is that we have adopted, oh golly, years ago the Swedish patterns or the German pattern. Then it was the Spanish system. And now it's, oh, my gosh, the French are doing it this way. And instead of just standing out and saying, look, we're the United States of America and we'll play the sport this way, we've always been the most competitive people. We've come to the rescue all over the world for every problem there's ever been out there. Our people are based, everything Everything we do is based on the freedom. And uh, to train, to play, to compete, freedom of methodology as well. But a tie with the history and the heritage of our game is critical for our kids to grow up and to to just believe in what they're doing. Any of you my age out there, I don't know. I, I'm sure some of you are. But I remember the day when you know, I played football, basketball, all those sports. But I had to sort of hide my tennis racket as I was walking into school each day. Uh, sissy sport, right? A sissy, yeah, right toughest sport there is, but it's sort of, I always said, tennis is sort of like Rambo dressed in a bikini bathing suit or something. You know, I mean, we we present it as such a sissy sport, but it's such a warrior, Viking warrior sport. It is the toughest sport out there. It takes, it challenges every part of your mind, body, and soul. But our players need to, where I'm going with this is that as a youngster, I knew I was special if I could play this game of tennis. I knew that I had the violin of the orchestra. It wasn't just the tambourines or, you know, the the other, the French horn or something. I was the violinist. I was the guy that could play this sport because it was that it, that it was a sport that was tremendous. And then I we would all wait to try to learn about more about sport. Every month, the World Tennis Magazine would come and we'd read the articles. I'd read about Dennis Rawson and Rod Laver and Ken Rosewall and the Harry Hopmans and all of these people because I wanted to know who the great ones were out there. Now, even with the amount of information we have, we have diluted, polluted, and prostituted the greatest sport in the world because we've not demanded of our youngsters to learn the history and the heritage of the game. But that's paramount. And in, in why, I'll tell you exactly why, ITF, USTA, ITA, you, you guys went to the marketeers first. That fellow who's in charge of the ITF, Haggerty, I don't see where he ever coached anybody, maybe coached a high schooler or something like that. But that guy, and folks, I'm calling him out. Haggerty, call me. Call me, man. But you guys are using marketeers. He was worked for Dunlop or Penn or Prince, but they're marketeers. 
All they do is count up numbers, count up money, and they're trying to spread it. They're trying to spread something with a seed that's like planting grass. You either have annual grass or you have stuff that'll come up every year. They're not. They're plant. They're planting rye grass around the world. They're planting rye grass. It comes up fast. They can do their numbers. They can throw their stuff together and count and say, "Hey, we've got this many people." But we need stuff to be planted like Bermuda grass that comes up every year. It goes dormant at some times, and then it comes back and grows and grows and grows. If you live in the south, the centipede, the Bermuda and stuff, once you get that stuff started, you're not going to get rid of it. But we need we need that kind of growth with our tennis. Again, easy to pick up is easy to put down. Hard to pick up, hard to put down. And you fellows who are and gals who are promoting tennis right now, you're promoting you're not promoting the history and the heritage because it takes time, it takes a deeper love of the game than just counting numbers. And you are doing it backwards. You're planting you plant rye grass all you want. But if you folks you know in the winter if you put winter rye down and you never fertilize after a while it doesn't even take hold because you don't have the root system and the soil right. And the soil has not been trained to receive receive it the way that that it that it does so uh folks um I, what what can i say about that except the history and the heritage of the game is incredibly important access look access to the game i don't think that that's so much of a problem now other than um access that is valuable again uh we have so many facilities now that are run down and not kept up and people don't take pride in the facilities and every day i have my players have your players do this too i have the players every day to pick up two pieces of trash two pieces only as they walk off the court you know on a golf course this is never a problem and it's a sad thing that on tennis courts um people allow the trash to be out there and we leave banana peels and grip wrappings and everything. I don't know where in the heck this has happened. The coolest thing was being at the French open a few years back and everybody went out to watch Rafael Nadal practice. Well, the cool thing was not just this hard practice that he put in, but you know, afterwards he grabbed his, the broom and he brushed his own court and he went over and picked up every piece of trash around his chair, every piece of it. If you're coaching juniors out there, have them do this. Now, I'm talking about access, but we need to respect the courts and we need to treat the courts and access to it as a sanctuary and something that is very, very important. I think as we have made them so accessible, we've cheapened them. And uh, I don't want to go off on this tangent, but, folks, I just think when we start – when we start going to hard concrete courts and everything and treat it like a playground, and it, it looks like a playground. When you have a tennis court that's made of clay or it's made and it's made to look right, when a person walks on that court, they should feel like they're walking into a sanctuary. What other needs do we have there? We have the tie with history, the freedom, high freedom of methodology, the freedom to train, to play, to compete. We have access to tie with history, affordable. A guy, you know, folks, have you ever seen how expensive tennis is getting? Now, first of all, if you run a pro shop or something, you'll go to the poorhouse because people 
who play tennis are, are pretty much cheapskates. They won't even buy their own can of balls. They're always mooching balls. You know, and, and then they, uh, golly, uh, pro shop stuff, the, the rackets, you, if you go into a Dick Sporting Goods, it's just like, you know, folks, we have diluted, polluted, prostituted equipment as well. We don't, uh, we don't have the Stradivarius equipment that is so important that people hold on to and hang on to as we've made it so readily accessible to everybody. What we've done is we've cheapened it and cheapened its value as well. And uh, whether it's your players or my players or I see players lay the rackets around, leave them laying around. They don't take care of them. God knows everybody throws a racket sometime or another. But they need to be treating their tennis racket like a Stradivarius. But tennis players are notoriously cheapskates. They don't want to pay for stuff. And then at the same time, we can say it's but, – but at the same time, it's ridiculously expensive now to go to a tournament and take your youngsters. Um, I have a friend in Charleston – came to Charleston again. And think of this one. It rained one day, so they had four nights in the hotel with the food and everything and the entry fee. The entry fee is over $100, my friend told me. They said they spent – almost $1,200 on a four-day event. And I said, well, Rain, that one day, how many matches did your youngster got get in? He said, well, they're only playing one a day now for some reason. And he said, I said, no, no, a better, better question. How many games did your youngster play? And he said, well, 49 total. I said, okay, 49, that's 50 basically, into $1,200. You spent $24 a game. For your youngster to play tennis, twenty-four. Oh, wait a minute! It was no ad. Let's divide that by four. That's six dollars a game. If it was quick games, divided by seven, and it's what three to six dollars, basically three and a half to six dollars per point to be able to play tennis in a tournament. Are you kidding me? My son got to play fifty baseball games in the Little League and the Travel League. Now, the Little League cost me a whopping $95, folks, for he got like 23 games in. The Travel League, he got another 30 or 40, and it cost us really, to be truthful, it cost us, we only went out of town, it cost us maybe $1,000 total all summer, all summer. And so what, what's, the, what's the problem we have here, USTA? You say you're making it for No, you're not. You, you're really not reaching out to the places that you really need to. The sleeping, what we need. Why do we need the needs of tennis? We need to access, make make a boom, boom or growth with small town tennis. Small town tennis, USA, I got a program ready to go. And high school tennis. Those are two sleeping giants. Those are two sleeping giants. So those are our primary needs. I want to talk about uh, in a minute some, some other stuff, but i got a call. I'm going to bring our caller on here, and if you want to jump in there, uh, i got a caller from area code 772-589. Uh, is this coach or a player or a parent? I don't recognize the number there. This is, this is 
Sorry, Coach. This is Coach Denise. I just, uh, Bobby, I just took home from the uh, uh, minor oh, eye operation, and I'm listening to you live instead of normally like I do well, six in the morning or at uh, midnight. So please go on. It's more important what you have oh, to say. I'll talk uh, to you tomorrow. Absolutely. And, Coach, I really uh, promoted your show tomorrow night. It's Coach John Denise's. Uh, tennis mentoring program, folks, tomorrow night at 5.30 Eastern Standard Time. And I look, t- look forward to hearing you, Coach. And thanks for staying on the line, Coach. And um, and we got one other call there. Hang on here because I've got a couple other things I've got to get through, and I only have a limited amount of time. I want to ask you another question out there. Who is the deep state of tennis in our country? Now, somebody's calling the shots, folks. And it's not just a committee out there. Listen, I was on one of those USTA committees, and they are anemic. They are anemic in that everybody gives their voice, but there is an agenda for sure because they do not want opposing points of view, and they do not want people to really go in a direction that is different. There is a deep state. There has to be. In the USTA, there is a deep state. There is a deep state in the ITF for sure, and we know some of those people. In the ITA, there is a deep state as well. And, folks, that, that it, it is a fact that it has to be. In the ITA, and this is the reason I say it, in the ITA, I um, have kept records and I've documented all of the travesties, travesties, and I'm going to call it as it lying and deceit, lying and deceit by the ITA that goes back several, several years. Always they had a board of directors that was cherry-picked, that was hand-picked by the, by the board, by the head guy himself, and they got what they wanted to do, push through, through hook or crook, but a lot of conniving for sure. And I'm calling you out, ITA, exactly that's what you've done. The Intercollegiate Tennis Coaches Association was originally set up to be a service organization for coaches, a place where coaches could get together and to talk and to air things out and to to really work for the development of our sport. It turned into a bureaucracy, but, but really an autocratic government where We had a dictator that basically called it. Do you know that we've got several board members that have been on there near 40 years? They have not changed. You know what what happens with the cronyism when that happens. But the deep state there is unbelievable. I really believe that the head guy, the head guy there, Tim Russell, is part of that deep state. I've heard also a guy, a fellow named Jim Refkin and Tim Russell, they sort of were guys out in Arizona, were plotting the deep state. Some of the other names I've heard that are behind us. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because for the last 10 years, they have been too absolute, too forceful, too, too pushy, and onward and onward against the will of the coaches, the will of the players. The will of the people, there has absolutely been an agenda. We can go back. I have everything documented back to 2000. I don't need to go through the the 12 documentations of votes 
who were movements against what the ITA was trying to do, but they did it anyways. And yes, I'm extremely upset because college tennis is the centerpiece or the cornerstone of everything that happens in tennis because all juniors play college. They look and say, I want to play college tennis. I want to be a part of this. They knew whoever the deep state of tennis is in the United States knew once they get college tennis and once they can get abbreviated scoring in there and once they can dumb it down and they, by the way, made it what I have called the sport formerly known as tennis, if you know what I'm talking about there, if you go back to the the artist formerly known as Prince, you know, but this is the sport formerly known as tennis. Real tennis, if you go back to what started happening, all of this was done with a very calculated and planned move. Those two guys were part of it. I've heard Billie Jean King is part of the deep state of tennis. I've heard Gordon Smith with USTA, part of the deep state of tennis. I've heard David Haggerty. Of course, I've mentioned him already. I'm so upset with that guy after I read the article on the gambling. And the ITF has their $70 million deal with sports radar, with, with his uh, William Hill Gambling Company. Why, my, my, my. You know, it's so upsetting. You guys, you guys. Again, they're marketeers, folks. If you go back to my January 31st show, I I unveiled all of the cronyism there. I've heard. So we got in the deep state is Billie Jean King, Gordon Smith, David Haggerty, Jim Ref, and the Tim Russell guy, nice man, but he was a music director. What in the world? Are you kidding me? Folks, are you kidding me? Look. I love music. I've loved music my whole life. My greatest sadness, I gave up piano when I was in the fourth grade. But do you know, even as much as I've loved music for over 60 years, do you think I could ever be a music director at my school? But for the whole United States, give me a break. They placed, they implanted a music director as director of college tennis. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How about the PTR? How about the PTR? You know, what the heck happened to, uh, you know, the, the independent PTR, or excuse me, not the PTR, the, the USPTA. The independent USPTA has just gone in cahoots with the USTA. You, you guys, now Embry's down there. You got John Embry down there. You know, and, uh, you know, he was, what What did he used to do? Marketeer. He worked for Wilson, and he worked for those companies. Marketeer. So what is their, what is their background in teaching, coaching, or their love of the sport of tennis, not their game? Kurt Camperman. Camperman. That guy, I mean, is he part of the deep state? Folks, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that, Really, I, we need to find out. And I will be the first one to apologize to these people if they're not part of that movement. But I think I've hit it pretty much on the head, and that's what I'm trying to find out. Where is the deep state of tennis that is making all of these moves? 
And again, they would not have persisted against the will of the people. They would not have persisted in taking away our freedoms. They would not have persisted so long against so much resistance unless there is a bigger movement behind it and that there actually is a deep state of tennis. There, there, there absolutely has to be because all of these people, see, none of them were, a few of them might have been coaches somewhere, sometime. But, you know, Rodney Harmon, I know I think he's going on to the PTR there. I've got his name down there. Somebody suggested he might be it, but he's a fellow coach, and i got to stick by him right now. Uh, he's still a fellow coach. I think he might be leaving. Somebody threw his name out there. I don't want to say one way or another. But any of these, I apologize to you if you're not really in this movement. And uh, believe me, it was not for the welfare of our kiddies. It was never for, we love the game so much, we want to grow the game and spread it. There is a movement. There is a deep state movement, folks, to completely change the essence of our game. The history of the heritage will mean nothing, nothing, if we bastardize the game to the point where we don't even recognize it. It would be like promoting Amer- USFL, not USFL, a lot of arena football. We're playing arena football, and then we try to hold to the heritage of the game that has happened. Once you change it, dilute it, pollute it, prostitute it, and bastardize it the way that it's being done, once that happens, the history and the heritage means nothing because it's a completely different standard. It's a completely different standard. Our kids don't know who the greats were in history now. They're for sure not going to know who they are once we bastardize it. And also, you can plant ryegrass all you want, USTA, ITF, ITA. Keep planting that ryegrass. It'll be shiny for a season, and you can mark down that we had these big numbers. But in the end, it will not surface after the dormant season of the off season it will not grow it will not be a something that continues to grow through generations the sadness is that all of the people all of them that that really love this game i, I cannot tell you the number of people that i know and, and coaches that are not getting their children into tennis that are not they're going for baseball and other things of substance and value. And that's the saddest of all things. The saddest of all things is that the history and the heritage will not exist. Folks, I just think we call this tennis fake tennis. Hey, fake tennis. You playing fake tennis? We're going to bastardize it here, this abbreviated stuff that we're doing. Folks, we have needs. I wanted to leave this one for last. My program today was our needs. Our primary needs to advance our game, to grow our game, whatever. The biggest need is we need you. We need you to stand up, to speak out, to honor our game, to protect our game for the history and the heritage. And we need you to stand up to the marketeers. This deep state of tennis needs to be defeated. It really does. But you need to recognize who the enemy is. And you need to recognize that these people they are not in it for the good, from the goodness of their heart to train the kiddies. They are not in it for an educational pursuit. They're in it for an entertainment. 
pursuit. We need you. Stand up. Speak out. Say what needs to be said. Always remember that this is the United States of America. And, folks, you know what? This is American Tennis, and I'm Coach Chuck Creasy, and that's it. Made in America. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.